Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe, because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. How are you today? Welcome to the latest episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? As you know with me by now, every day is beautiful, even in the face of adversity. And so actually, that's what I want to talk about today. Episode four was going to have our very first guest of the podcast, um, but something came up uh, over the weekend that I felt compelled to address um, and that it was important to, to address it now. So our first guest will be on the next episode next week. Um, and it will be my dear friend, Veronica Corpus, and we'll talk about poetry and meditation and spirituality. And I'm sure you're going to love it. Um, but for today, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, a book that recently came out, uh, called Premka, a white bird in a golden cage. And it is the story of a woman who served as a personal assistant to Yogi Bhajan, who is the man that brought Kundalini Yoga, as uh, many people know it, to the West. Um, And in that story is a detailed account of the abuse that she was subjected to um, as his assistant, not just professionally, but um, intimately. Uh, I haven't read the book yet, but I did read uh, a few excerpts and um, there are stories of of sexual abuse. And so it is kind of um, disappointing and sad for me as a practitioner uh, and teacher of Kundalini Yoga. Um, You know, in recent years, we've seen uh, various scandals, for lack of a better word, you know, concerning yoga gurus like Bikram and Osho. And, um, and it turns out that Yogi Bhajan is not, um, an exception to this rule. And so I wanted to just speak on it a little bit because I know that there are a lot of people in my community who are, um, upended by this. Uh, one phrase that, that went around a lot was this feeling of having the rug pulled out from under us. Uh, as a community, um, but also individually. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I'm, I'm not feeling as devastated by this, um, as others might be. And it's not because I'm, you know, cold or distant from it. Um, one of the things when I first began practicing Kundalini yoga, and when I first started, uh, teacher training, one of the one of the things that Yogi Bhajan taught was to not put him on a pedestal, to not elevate him above anybody else. Um, he's known to have said that he came to the West to create teachers, not to um, create followers. And so it's interesting that his public message is different from his private actions. Um, but for me as an individual, 
um, you know, I followed that. I didn't put him on a pedestal. I, I followed the teachings uh, and I followed the physical uh, kriyas, um, some of which people are, are saying now that are, are totally made up. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I just wanted to speak about all these things that are now coming to light. Um, there's a lot of questions and I'm no expert in, um, in this. I've, I'm, you know, low on the totem pole of, of teacher hierarchy, if there's such a thing. Um, but I can speak about my own personal experience and I can speak about my thoughts on it. And I'm, I'm offering this in hopes that others, uh, might find some comfort, might, find some footing to get their bearings in whatever they're experiencing. And it's not specific to um, the Kundalini yoga community and people who might be affected by this, but just to anyone who feels ungrounded, um, who might feel lost or uncertain about who they are or where they're going. So I'm sharing this this story um, or these experiences with you, um, and hopefully you can find them useful. Uh, so one of the things when I first heard the news about um, these these allegations, which um, my teacher has uh, co- corroborated, <laughs> is that the word um, as as true? But you know, for me as a survivor of sexual violence, I I opt to believe women every time. Um, but when I first heard the news of this book coming out and what it contained, I had questions. Um, but it was funny. I wasn't surprised. I don't know what that says about me, but, uh, but you know, my teacher gathered, um, a bunch of us, uh, to his, uh, yoga center over the weekend. And we had a really great dialogue and open conversation, um, about our concerns, about how we felt. Um, and it was really nurturing. It was really helpful for us to just express how we were feeling. Um, and one of the main um, questions is, now what? You know, um, does it mean that we don't practice kundalini yoga anymore? Does it mean that everything was a sham. Um, You know, I don't know. What I do know is that the technology of kundalini yoga, the practice of the kriyas, the physical experience of it, has been a positive effect for me. Whether or not, you know, he made it up on the spot, as some people are claiming, it doesn't matter to me because it's a physical practice that's working for me. Now, granted, you know, there are, I don't know, someone said like 5,000 Kriyas uh, in the Kundalini Yoga practice. And I just find it hard to believe that all of them might be made up. I don't, maybe the, maybe the, what they're saying is that only some of them are, that he'll be leading a class and then he'll just throw something in at random. Um. But I don't know. I mean, for me, I just, it works for me. And I can't say that of everybody. Um, But I have such a positive, uplifting, high vibrational experience that uh, I don't think giving it up would be serving me, would be in my my highest good. Um, 
Why stop something that's beneficial? I mean, at some point, things are made up, right? At some point, you invent, you know, the telephone, and that works. Um, I mean, these are just the things that I'm thinking through. And as I'm speaking, I, I have these little voices of other people who might be piping in to um, contradict whatever I'm saying, to protest, to defend. And that's, and that's fine. Um, you're welcome to do that. I'm just expressing my personal thoughts on it, my personal experiences with it, um, because I, I want people to know that it's okay to want to continue kundalini yoga despite this person, Yogi Bhajan, being not the person we thought him to be or that we presumed him to be. Because we don't, we don't know people um, as, they who, as who they really are, if that makes any sense. I mean, you might know somebody really, really well, but do you know them at their deepest essence? Do you know what they're capable of? I mean, some people, you might know some people, um, and that's rare, but as a, as a figure, as a large, almost larger than life figure, teacher um, of this movement, of this kundalini yoga, um, I don't know. I don't know if you can know somebody like that. And yeah, I don't know. Um, but I did want to say that um, it's not just about the physical practice. Because some of the things that Yogi Bhajan has said in terms of spiritual teachings have resonated with me as well. Um, and... So I just, I don't know. I'm still processing all of this information and, and working it out in my, own, um, in my own way. But I think about, you know, his teachings about the mind and the ego and um, the super soul. And, and they all resonate with me. They all make sense. And so I will practice... Um, the philosophy of it, but I will say that I will do more reading and more research in the sacred yogic texts in order to better understand some of these teachings that he brought forth. Um, this morning, every morning I listen to, oh, I participate in the Zoom group for uh, my teacher Raghunath. I, um, studied with him uh, in India for my 300-hour advanced teacher training in bhakti yoga. And bhakti is the yoga of love and devotion. And our primary focus is Krishna um, in, that, in that tradition. And every morning at 5 a.m., he and Kastuba Das, one of my other teachers, uh, get together every morning and read from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And, um, and now they convert it to a podcast. So if you want to listen, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but there's, there's some really great truths that are being shared there. Uh, the podcast is called wisdom of the sages. Um, it's on it almost every morning. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's really, it's really great. Um, and what's funny is that this morning's class was about teachers. And I thought to myself, how amazing for the universe to line up these things for me. 
And so one of the questions that was brought up is, you know, what about the guru within versus the guru without? Um, and Raghunath really made a really great point. So, so Yogi Bhajan, like one of ma- his main uh, teachings is that we work to connect with the guru within because everyone has this inner knowing, this deep spiritual inner knowing once we connect with our true essence, with our satnam, you know, the very essence of who we are. And for those of you that don't know what satnam is, it, it just means that truth is, is our essence. Truth is what lies within. Um, and so Raghunath's answer was really great. He said, yes, we all have access to the, um, the truth within, you know, to the guru within. But sometimes we need guidance from a guru without. Sometimes we might know something, but we don't necessarily know what to do with it or where to go with it or, you know, so it's really helpful to have a guide to point you in the right direction. Um, so you can have both and you need both. Uh, and a guru without is often a good way to hold yourself accountable because sometimes the ego is really powerful where the spiritual essence may present a truth and the ego might manipulate that into something that doesn't serve your highest good. And a guru without an external guru, a physical teacher can see that and point that out to you and say, hey, I'm going to keep you in check. You know, I'm going to hold you responsible. I'm going to hold you accountable. Is this thing that you're doing truly um, beneficial for somebody's highest good or your own highest good? Or is this ego sort of rationalizing so that it feels good even though you know at the very essence that it's not? Um, so, so that's one, one thing that was discussed in class this morning. And then the other thing, um, I had posed a question is, is that, you know, yes, it's important to find a teacher, but how do you know which teachers to follow? Because you have to be really, um, mindful. You have to discern which teachers to follow because some teachers, they may seem really good on the outside, um, and then, you know, in the end, they're really just in it for themselves. So how are you able to discern who your guru could be, who your teacher could be? And, um, and so there's this, these, three, these three guidelines, uh, guru, sadhu, and shastra. So the guru is the teacher, but then that particular guru turns to the sadhu, which is a saintly person, um, Someone who's really devoted to a traditional, uh, a tradition or practice, you know, very spiritually, um, I guess enlightened. I I don't want to use that word because it it feels like it gets thrown around a lot. And I don't know if um, a sadhu would consider themselves enlightened. I'm not sure. I haven't really talked to one um, myself. But what what they then do is they turn to the sacred texts. And the sacred texts could be um, the Vedas, the Upanishads, um, the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, those um, ancient texts, ancient yogic texts. That is the guiding compass. That's the true north. Um, and, you know, there's this argument I have in my head. Well, you know, these texts were written down by people. And how do we know that they were channeled from, you know, divinity? Um, and it's a leap of faith, right? 
And so thinking about that, it, it asks us to really hone in on our intuition, to hone in on our gut into the thing that feels true, into the thing that resonates in our very core. So what if it was written by, you know, a human being and that person brought it down, you know, was channeled it from the divine or the divine, you know, spoke through them. We, we don't know that, but it takes a leap of faith. Um, it takes us to trust that, uh, that these things do help guide us on our spiritual path. And it's funny, as I'm talking, you know, I'm thinking, oh, there might be some people listening who are like, blasphemy, how, how dare you challenge that these ancient sacred texts were not divinely, um, you know, received. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just posing these questions. You know, these are just questions to investigate things that sometimes we take for granted. Um, the Bible, for example, you know, is that divine intervention? Um, any of the holy books, the Quran, the Torah, these are all things that, for me, you either have faith or you don't. And if you don't, then find something that you can hold on to. Um, because there is a difference between spirituality and religion, right? And spirituality is really the focus on where we feel we're at in our deepest essence. And how do we bring that out more into the world? Because we're here for a purpose. We're here on this planet with a specific purpose. And how do we know what that purpose is unless we tap into the deeper self? And so there are tools all around us. Um, and there are guides. It's just a matter of us seeing the ones who we feel we can trust to guide us. And it takes a lot of experimentation. Um, you know, you might study with one teacher and think, oh, this is it. This is, this is the person who's going to guide me, who's going to, you know, really help me blossom on my spiritual path. And then something happens, like the Yogi Bhajan thing. And then, nope, maybe not. All right, well, let me go check out this person. Um, maybe they have something to offer me. And it doesn't have to be just one person as your guru. I mean, I have so many teachers. Um, it's, it's funny because part of me wonders, all right, maybe I need to just stick with one thing and dive in deep. Because a lot of people say that, you know, you can't, it's that whole, it's that whole phrase of jack of all trades, master of none, right? And so for me, um, the way I see it is that whatever gets me deeper in is the thing for me. Um, you know, I have my 200 hour uh, in Hatha yoga. I've got my 220 hour in Kundalini yoga, which was an amazing training. And I still practice Kundalini daily to this day. Um, 
It helps me so much. Uh, I also have my 300 hour in bhakti yoga and I combine both, which, you know, some people might think is sacrilege. (laughs) I don't know, but I feel like we need to do the things that work for us as long as we're not harming other people, you know, because the ultimate rule for me anyway, is ahimsa, which is non-harm. I mean, love is, is the, the ruler of all things. And so I feel that ahimsa, this idea of non-harm, goes hand in hand with love. So go explore whatever resonates with you and use that as your guide to understanding your truth, to finding your purpose, and to just being you. And then when things happen, like this um, Yogi Bhajan um, sexual abuse, I just think to myself, well, he is human, right? And so how can we hold both the dark and the light together in compassion. It's not condoning his behavior, not at all, but it's understanding that we as human beings are complex. It's not all love and light. We all have our shadow sides. Some are just not so great at dealing with that. And I'm not saying that I'm great, but some of us just have darker shadows that are more intense that maybe, you know, just took over. And so as human beings that are witnessing this, How can we hold both the dark and the light in compassion? I mean, for those of you that don't know, Yogi Bhajan is no longer living. So what do we do with this information about him in relationship to our yogic practice? For me, I will distance myself from him, the man, but I'm still going to continue practicing the kriyas, the meditations, the chanting, because they are based in something, in a tradition. It may not look like the original tradition that it's from, but it is based in a tradition. There are um, some components of the Sikh tradition, and then there are some components of this quote-unquote secret yoga that... um, is related to the kundalini energy. So I just wanted to offer this episode as a moment to reflect on the complexities of humanity, but also the complexities of a spiritual practice, a spiritual growth. Um, To be open to what our own individual truths are, and to not rely on another person for those truths. We need to be responsible for our own growth. 
And when someone disappoints us, when somebody betrays us, it's up to us to figure out how to deal with that. Blame doesn't do any good. But questioning, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What do I do next? Asking those questions are important. And if you're not sure where to go next, find a teacher. Turn to your guru within. So on that note, I'd like to, um, I meant to open the podcast with our usual Hafez poem, but I just got really um, raring to go with uh, wanting to speak about this subject. Um, But here's a, a poem that I'd like to offer as a kind of salve for what's going on in the Kundalini yoga community right now. And Hafez has this poem called The Great Expanse. Anger sinks the boat. Now we are not praising that drowning in his ocean. Just crossing the great expanse of each minute with all the compassion and dignity we can find. I'll read it again. The Great Expanse. Anger sinks the boat. Now we are not praising that drowning in his ocean. Just crossing the great expanse of each minute with all the compassion and dignity we can find. And so on that note, I wish all of you well. I wish you clarity, especially during this uh, start of the Mercury retrograde period. I wish you opportunities for guidance. May your eyes be open to all possibilities. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. When's the last time you took a deep breath? Or simply sat down to be with yourself? Are you longing to strengthen that connection to your deepest self, to your authentic truths? I invite you to retreat with me on August 5th to the 9th to the serene setting of wine country in Sonoma County, California, where you can get quiet and reconnect with yourself, where you can tune in to your intuitive voice, where the sun can nourish your soul and the earth grounds you into your body. This is an opportunity to realign with your true life's purpose, to remember who you are, to come home to yourself. Visit leslieannhobayanyoga.com slash retreats for more information. Live your best life now.